0: Welcome to the Tipping Point Show, I'm Jimmy Evans. I have a special program for you today. I have Jeff Kinley joining me. He's an end times expert. He's written many books on the subject of the end times. We're talking today about his new book, God's Grand Finale, talking about the book of Revelation. This is a book that many people have a hard time understanding. Jeff has done a great job of breaking it down to be very understandable. We're talking about the symbolism of the book of Revelation. We're talking about the Antichrist, the rapture, the rebuilt temple. We're talking about all the different things that a lot of people you know, don't understand, the millennium, all those kinds of things. Jeff is really fascinating and he's done a great job writing this book on the book of Revelation and we're beginning with an overview with an update of what's happening in Israel right now, the current events there. Stay tuned, we have a lot coming up for you. Dr. Mark Hitchcock and I just wrote this book, it's called, What's Next? The Israel-Gaza War, connecting today's headlines to tomorrow's prophetic events. Now this was supposed to come out today on Amazon, but they flagged it, they held it up, we don't know why. And so we're trying to get to the bottom of it. In the meantime, all of our paid subscribers, you're going to get this for free this week as an e-book. We're going to send you an email, and there's going to be a link on that email, and you'll be able to read. This is a very timely book. We wrote it because of what's happening in Israel right now. It talks about Israel's right to the land, why they have a right to the land that's being contested, what's happening right now in the war, and prophetically where we believe that this is going. And so if you're a paid subscriber to endtimes.com, you're going to get this you're gonna get an email, and there's gonna be a link there. If you're not a paid subscriber, endtimes.com, go on there right now for $7 a month. And once you become a subscriber, we'll send you this ebook. We wanna get this into your hands. And I also wanna let you know, again, if you want to donate to inTimes.com beyond your subscription, go to give.endtimes.com. You can give one time or you can make your gift recurring. And it helps us to build this ministry as such a critical time. So, again, if you are a paid subscriber, you're going to get this book. If you'd like to give to us, go to give.endtimes.com and make a contribution there. We would very much appreciate it. Stay tuned for this interview with Jeff Kinley. I'm delighted today to welcome back on the show a special guest. Jeff Kinley is a former pastor and best selling author of 40 books. He's a recognized expert and thought leader in the field of Bible prophecy having authored 12 books on the subject. Jeff connects with this generation, engaging them with biblical truth in a fresh, practical way. He's a graduate of the University of Arkansas and Dallas Theological Seminary. Jeff's weekly podcast, the Vintage Truth Podcast, and the Prophecy Prose Podcast with Todd Hampson, are heard in over 120 countries. His articles and interviews have also been featured in the Huffington Post, the Washington Post and the Jerusalem Post. Jeff is joining me today to discuss his new book, God's Grand Finale. Jeff, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Jimmy, good to be back with you. Well, and we're gonna talk about your book, God's Grand Finale. I love this book, written a book about the book of Revelation, which so many people have a lot of confusion about. And this book is written in a real unique manner. And we're gonna get into that in just a minute. I wanna to talk to, you. you're you an end times expert and uh, you're an author and speaker and, uh, and theologian. And um, what is your take? The war started on October 7th and we're now in, in the third week of the war in Israel. What is, what is your take related to the end times? I mean, obviously this is a tectonic shift uh, that is happening. What's your take about the war in Israel?
1: Well, I was actually scheduled to fly out the very next day to uh, to Israel and uh, lead a group over there. So it impacted us, uh, obviously, dramatically. But, you know, right now what we're seeing, Jimmy, is just a boiling cauldron of uncertainty uh, that's happening over there right now. We really don't know when the next shoe is going to drop. Yeah. Uh, what Iran's going to do, what Turkey's going to do. There have yeah. been a lot of sword rattling on both ends of that. Uh, China is moving assets into the Middle East as well, into the ocean around surrounding that as well. So it really is shaping up to be something very globally impacting because now, of course, the United States also has sent uh, ships and planes and bombs yeah. and assets as well to Israel. i tell you the thing to me that, that first struck me was just how this is dovetailing into God's prophetic narrative, in the sense that uh, it is getting the attention of those Muslim nations yeah. around Israel as Ezekiel 38 and 39 prophesy, and it's causing them to, for the, really their temperature to go up, their pulse to break, to, to increase. And so it's really kind of, I think, setting the stage what eventually will become the war of Gog and Magog. That's right. And then, as you know, uh, this obviously is the prime time in history for a lone figure to step into that mess Absolutely. and to bring some sort of peace to it. So yeah, it, it really is and on multiple fronts really dovetailing into God's prophetic narrative.
0: Exactly, I mean, the, you see the geopolitically, you see the world as Ezekiel foretold it, Isaiah, many of the, Zechariah, many of the Old Testament prophets foretold it, and this is not gonna go back to normal. Do you agree with that statement? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it, what, what really surprised me, in fact, I said this early on, I said, initially we're going to have a lot of support for Israel, but it's going to pivot quite quickly and of course you've got massive protests in new york and in london and all over the world really anti-jewish protest anti-israel protests and so you know this whole idea of anti-semitism that that the bible predicts will be uh prevalent in the last days we're seeing that heat up as well so yes it's it's not surprising on the one hand but on the other hand it's very exciting in the sense that god has chosen us to be in these last days and to witness this and to know that the return of christ could be very soon
0: Well, exactly what you said at the beginning, Jeff. Someone asked me the other day if I thought this would result in World War III. Uh, Ultimately, Armageddon's gonna come. That's gonna be at the end of the tribulation, the second coming. But there is a person, I believe the Antichrist is on the earth right now. Uh, I I said earlier in this year that I I believe that artificial intelligence, uh, 2023 is the year of artificial intelligence. This is the year commercially where artificial intelligence was introduced to the world. And I believe that artificial intelligence is announcing the arrival of the Antichrist because 2 Thessalonians 2 says, he will supernaturally deceive the world in in a supernatural way. Well, the the artificial intelligence is supernatural. It's way beyond natural. And the greatest concerns, Elon Musk, the founder of ChatGPT, their greatest concerns are mass disinformation that uh that AI will be used in that manner well so the Antichrist obviously will have that at his disposal but I believe that the this Jesus said that there would be distress of nations with perplexity and perplexity means there's no answers and so the the perplexity of this situation in the Middle East right now the the, the antichrist has got to be ready to come onto the scene and that also means that that the, the rapture is going to happen pretty soon you agree with that
1: yeah, I would agree. And obviously we don't know the exact timetable of that, but it just tells us to to look up because our redemption draws nigh and you know with the artificial intelligence what's very interesting to me is is the acceleration with which this this whole uh, technology can really get traction in the world. And on the one hand, you've got a a world populace that is so easily deceived by by the whatever's on social media. And then you've got the church who's biblically ignorant about the that's end right. times. And so it opens up believers as well to a lot of this deception too. So that's why more than at any time in human history, Jimmy, the, the church has got to be married to the Word of God and grounded in the Word so that we can look with, with biblical eyes on the world and detect what's really going
0: on. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about your book. Now, this is, this, your book is called God's Grand Finale, but uh, it says, uh, Wrath, Grace, and Glory... In Earth's last days, and the thing I appreciate about your book, Jeff. Uh, first of all, if a person—if you want to understand the Book of Revelation, which a lot of people don't understand—it's uh, it, and it is a difficult book if you just read through it and you don't really understand the what's what's being said. But this, your book comes from the perspective of God's character, of uh, and in, in God is a person. You know, who is God as a person, and so and and you begin your book by talking about the first ten words in the Bible and what that says about God. Why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. The, the very first verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there was a, um, a scientist in the uh, 19th century by the name of Herbert Spencer. He said this, he said that everything we need to know about life in the universe can be understood by these words, time, force, energy, space, and matter. And in Genesis 1-1, we've got time in the beginning, force, God, energy created, space uh, the earth, uh, the heavens and matter the earth. And so by their own admission, God explains everything in the very first verse of the Bible. And you know what's great about that is that that is God really revealing himself uh, through general revelation, uh, through what is made, through creation, and then you get all the way to revelation. Of course, the whole Bible is the revelation of God. But I think of it this way, you know, as I started writing this book, Jimmy, I thought, you know, God had one final book to write. I mean, you're an author, I'm an author, we always think about our last chapter, yeah. what do I want to write here that really grips the reader, stays with them, leaves them with a lasting impact, and God said, I'm going to give him revelation. And of course, Revelation does tell us all about what's going to happen in the end times. But at the same time, God said, I love my church. I love my bride. I want her to know who I am. And so Revelation ends up being this glorious, deep devotional into the character of God, as well as telling us what's going to happen in the end times.
0: Well, and that's what I appreciate about your book is because, you know, Revelation can scare you to death. And you have all this imagery of violence, uh, judgment, wrath, not just judgment, but the wrath of God. And so when you look at God being loving and merciful, and which you talk about in your book, isn't that a little bit, can people get a little confused when they read Revelation and, and understanding God is loving and merciful in the rest of the Bible and you get to the end of it and it just seems like just all heck breaks loose.
1: Absolutely. And that's one reason why it's so important to look at the whole of Scripture and really the whole of the character of God. If you think about it, at the cross of Jesus, you had the greatest display of wrath that's ever been displayed right. on Christ. The Bible says he made him who knew no sin, sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. But at the same time, you got the greatest display of love as well. And we see that in the book of Revelation as well when God pours out his final apocalyptic wrath on the planet. At the very same time, he's offering grace. Uh, there's a, there are scores, millions of people that come to Christ during the tribulation time. And yeah. it's as if the door of the ark is still open, yeah. even though God is gathering the storm clouds all around us. So there is that juxtaposition of love and grace and mercy and wrath and all these things coming together. But that's all a part of the, of the grand attributes of who our great God is. People use
0: this commonly as a kind of an excuse not to believe in god but they say say, how could a loving god sentence anyone to an eternity in hell in other words you 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 have this on one hand the depiction of god is loving and merciful which he is but then there is there's an eternal consequence uh, that we are going to pay for our decisions here on earth why would a loving god send people to hell
1: well, a loving God doesn't want to send people to hell, and that's why it gives people an opportunity to come to him. In fact, and this is really what's so interesting about Revelation, Jimmy, is that in the time of the fiercest display of God's wrath on planet Earth at that same time, God sends multitudes of preachers. Uh, He says 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. Uh, He sends two witnesses uh, who are performing miracles and then finally at the end he sends a gospel, earth encircling angel that preaches the gospel in chapter 14 to the entire planet. And that's what Jesus I think meant in Matthew uh, 24 when he says and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world and then the end will come. So God basically gives us over and over again chance after chance after chance and then in the end we get to choose or reject him and so when we end up in a place that's that's filled with god's wrath we only have really ourselves to blame because god kept the grace door open for a very long time
0: yeah you know matthew 25 jesus said that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels it was never intended for mankind of course and then you know they rebelled and that is a great answer you know god is a, a merciful god so Jesus, the revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. and So you're in which you do such a great job in your book talking about this is the revelation of God. We're talking about understanding God through the book of Revelation. Well, Jesus, there, you have the loving, merciful Savior on one side, but Revelation also shows him as a warrior king. And so it, it's talk, talk about just the, the balance of that.
1: Yeah, and the way that Revelation begins is it begins with a vision of Jesus Christ, of the glorified, resurrected, exalted, enthroned Christ. And, and the picture that John gives us in Revelation chapter 1 uh, is unlike a lot of the pictures we get preached on Sunday mornings. We tend to always go back to the gospels uh, to get our image of Christ, but there's the image of Christ in Revelation that we need to focus in on too. And that Christ is a Christ that's, that he says he's coming back to bring a sword. Uh, as sword, first of all, to his own church to do some, uh, some open heart surgery on yeah. the church there yeah. in chapters two and three. But eventually, Jimmy, in chapters 19, uh, Jesus comes back to set the world right. He comes back to do away with evil. And if you think about it, that's something that every person really deep down inside really wants. They want the bad to go away. Uh, they want rape to go away and murder and sex trafficking and, and killing children and all these bad things. Well, guess what? Jesus is coming back in Revelation 19. He's going to do away with all that. That's right. So it really is a glorious return. Uh, he, he rids the earth of evil. He does judgments at that time. And then he begins his great kingdom.
0: It's, it's really fantastic. And in Revelation uh, is an exciting book. The letters to the churches, the seven letters to the churches. You know, and Jesus talks about many of the things that are happening in the church today. But in Revelation 19, he he comes back, and and I think it's comforting when you look at it from the perspective of all the injustice in the world, all the sin, all the look at what Hamas did. Uh, to the innocent Israelis on October 7th. That's going to be made right when Jesus returns. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Uh, Absolutely right. Uh, The Bible says he's going to rule the nations with a rod of iron. And and Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace, will finally bring peace uh, to the earth and he'll reign in Jerusalem. So yeah, he's going to bring uh, retribution to his enemies. He's going to bring reward to those who follow him.
0: That's right. Uh, You know, we've lived, and I, I say this sometimes, we've lived in this sewer for so long that it's normal to us, but when Jesus returns, we're going to understand what what right really is, what righteousness really is, what peace really is, and because some people kind of fall in love with the world and they, you know, they kind of chafe at the idea of things changing and Jesus coming. And I tell people, you'll never look back when Jesus comes. And the, so I want to talk about the rapture. In your book, you talk about the rapture. This is something that people are very interested in, uh, for for the right reasons. Now, I after o- october 7th when i'm looking at what's happening in the world i just i just think jesus has just got to come just any any time and of course i never set dates you never set dates but there are people that believe that the the rapture happens just before the seven-year tribulation period there are people that believe that he's going to come in the middle of that and there are others that those are mid-trip people then you have the post-trip people that believe that jesus is going to come at the end of the tribulation, and, and we get a ton of questions about this. So, I want you to I want you to explain, if you would, those different positions and the difference they make uh, in what you believe.
1: Yeah. So, the the pre-tribulational rapture basically says that we are rescued from the planet before God's initial wrath begins in Revelation uh, chapter six with the sealed judgments of uh, being broken. The mid-tribulation, uh, the mid. Uh, uh, rapture position, says that Christ comes back at the very middle of that uh, that seven-year tribulation, three and a half years into it, essentially when the mark of the beast is enacted. Right. And then the post-trib people, those are the three main views, post-trib people believe that Christ will come back right before his second coming. We go up to heaven, we get mounted on horses, we come right back. Uh, The the two problems that that I have with the mid and the uh, post-rapture view, Jimmy, is that the the post-rapture view doesn't account for the fact that if we're all changed at the end of the tribulation, then who are these mortals that go into the millennial kingdom and end up having babies? We know that they will uh, in the millennial kingdom there. And so it's sort of, a you know, kind of the yo-yo view, it's been called. Uh, The mid-trib view places God's wrath beginning at the midpoint of the tribulation. But when you look at Revelation 6, 1 and 2, it says that the lamb is the one who breaks the seals. So those seal judgments clearly begin at the very beginning of the tribulation. Now, if God's pattern of deliverance is still in effect here with uh, delivering Lot before Sodom and Gomorrah, delivering uh, Noah before uh, the flood came, those type of things, then we would expect God to do the same to us. In fact, Scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians uh chapter 1 verse 10 chapter 5 verse 9 revelation 3:10 that we're not destined right. for God's apocalyptic wrath but for uh, for salvation or for deliverance. So uh, I think that and that's why it's called the blessed hope. I mean throughout the whole New Testament you've got the church eagerly anticipating they said maranatha to each other oh lord come uh, so that they would prepare their hearts for what could happen at any moment and it's what we call the doctrine of imminency that christ could come back at any time so that's one of the reasons why i subscribe to that pre-trib rapture view
0: so if a person believed like if they go to a church and their pastor is teaching them that we're going to go through the tribulation i mean that would would that not kind of discourage or depress you to think I mean, that's not an encouraging message. I mean, you know, because Paul said, you know, uh, encourage, comfort one another with these words. That's not comforting, is it?
1: No, no, it's not comforting at all. And and when you think about the whole idea of the rapture is to deliver us. Now, some people will say, well, no, we're not meant to to have an easy life, we're not meant to not go through problems, and Jesus said in John 16, in this world you're going to have tribulations or or hard times. We believe that. Christians all over the planet are being persecuted in this very moment, so we're never promised exemption from hard times, from persecution, but that's man's wrath, that's and right. what God says is, you're exempt from my wrath. Why? Because all of my wrath against you fell on Jesus at the cross, so there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Romans 8, 1 says, so that's, again, another reason why we believe, we're not trying to get out of something, but if God says, I'm going to take you out, we certainly want to uh, be agreeable with that, because we don't want to suffer His wrath.
0: Well, I like what you said, there's difference between man's wrath and God's wrath, and Jesus said in Luke 21, pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things and to stand before the Son of Man, and He was talking about the, the, the rapture, He was talking about Him coming. So, you know, Revelation, the book of Revelation is full of so many symbols. Uh, and, and that's something that a lot of people struggle with, is just the, the symbolism of the book and what does it mean. What, what are some of the meanings of the symbols of the book of Revelation?
1: Yeah, for example, you see in Revelation um, chapter chapter 1 and 2, he talks about the, the lampstands uh, of the churches. He talked about the stars of the churches. We know those represent the church and the, the pastor. Uh, in chapter 4, we see the 24 elders around the throne. Uh, strong evidence suggests those 24 elders represents the church, the bride of Christ that's in heaven prior to uh, the tribulation period. Right. And John throughout Revelation describes things. He says, I saw something like the face of a man. It was like a lion. You know, John's doing his best to put in the language. And so there are some things that, you know, conceivably are very vague in Revelation, but he does give us some idea of what it's like. But on the other hand, Jimmy, uh, John also gives us very specific language as well. He tells us about specific places, specific names, uh, angels, activities, uh, what's happening in heaven. He tells us about specific time periods, about numbers of people uh, that are in heaven. And so we do get a lot of specificity along with those word pictures. And so we just simply want to say, well, if, if God is plain enough to put it in plain language, let's go ahead and just believe what he says. And then those other instances where we don't understand exactly what this is going to look like, we just leave it to God to fulfill those prophecies any way he wants to.
0: Yeah, you know, if, and of course John 2,000 years ago was seeing things of today, you know, or of the future. And yeah. his, if, if, oh. if someone showed us something 2,000 years from now, we would have to do the same thing. Well, it looked like this. Well, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know exactly what it was. So um, 1,000 years, so there's going to be a rapture, and you and I both agree that the rapture is before the tribulation. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that's something we both strongly believe. Then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation uh, that the book of Revelation talks about very specifically. And then there's the second coming when Revelation 19, when we, the bride of Christ, return with Jesus uh, to the Mount of Olives, where he judges the nations that have gathered against uh, Israel there. And and this, this is another interesting thing, Jeff. The Bible says and this is such an absurd thing to be written 2,500, 2,800 years ago, but the Bible says that the very final scene of this age is the whole world coming against Israel.
1: Yeah.
0: And and before October 7th, I think a lot of people would have kind of
1: scoffed at that, but not today, when you see the, literally the whole world. It is, it's amazing to think about this little piece of land that's the size of New Jersey, essentially New Hampshire, is that the whole world's focused in on this The center of the world is is essentially what it is. And so that's the thing that ought to get people's attention. Why Israel? Why why not the the continent of Africa? uh, (laughs) that's bigger than America and Canada and South America all combined. Why is it just this little strip of land? It it just has to mean that all these prophecies concerning Israel, everything from her being regathered to the land, Uh, Everything from her temple being rebuilt uh, to her Messiah coming back. All these things are going to happen uh, because the Bible is not a book of coincidences. It's a book of prophecies. And so we're living, I believe, Jimmy, in that prophetic time right now. And so that's why we need to look up and pay attention and to read the world through discerning eyes as we find it in Scripture.
0: There has never been a time like this uh, you know, in the history of the world, and it was prophesied, Now the Antichrist, so what is the role of the Antichrist in Revelation? Because we've talked a little bit about the Antichrist. What does Revelation say about him?
1: Essentially, the Antichrist is going to be, he's he's a real man I believe, he's an actual human, uh, he's going to be someone that Satan is actually going to indwell, to energize, I believe, to possess. Uh, there's only two people in the Bible that are portrayed as being possessed by Satan. One of them, Judas Iscariot, right. the other is Antichrist. Uh, but Satan has long long wanted to, to rule the world. Uh, he owns the kingdoms of the world, but he's never been worshipped as the god of this world. He's going to get that wish granted uh, during the tribulation period. And the Antichrist will be the human... Uh, person through which he is worshipped and he's going to uh, suffer a fatal head wound the bible says in revelation 13 he's going to come back from the dead be proclaimed as god almighty he's going to invade the jewish temple proclaim himself to be god there i believe that the islamic forces will have been wiped out in the ezekiel 38 war so christianity essentially was taken out with a rapture uh, islam's taken out with ezekiel 38 and now he wants to take out judaism why because there'll be no other rivals uh, to, to be, to, for gods to be worshiped. And so Satan is going to use Antichrist to, to let the world worship him. And part of the way he's going to do that is through his miracles, the, the false prophet in Revelation 13, and also through, uh, this whole thing called the mark of the beast. And so this is, uh, Satan getting what he finally wants, but it's going to be a very short lived kingdom. Uh, as even early on in the tribulation, heaven is talking about the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ is on its way. And so Satan's uh, Satan's reign is gonna be very short-lived. I
0: I really, that was so interesting what you just said. You said the rapture takes out Christianity, the Gog Magog War takes out Islam, and then you have Judaism left. Now, that's a very interesting statement. I've never heard anybody make that statement like that before. Yeah. Regarding the Gog and Magog War, do you believe it happens sometime around the rapture, before the rapture, after the rapture?
1: You know, there are about eight different views about yeah. when it happens. My, my particular view is that it happens somewhere in that parenthesis where between the rapture and the peace treaty and right after the peace treaty that Antichrist signs with Israel, because it does say that Israel is living in the latter days at peace in the land. They're living securely. Uh, That seems to coincide with that peace treaty. So sometime right around that little time frame, I believe is when that war will break out. And of course, God says in Ezekiel 38, he's going to wipe out every bit of the Islamic military forces in the world. Uh, That to me would open up the door for Israel just to take over the Temple Mount, raise the Mosque of Omar, the Dome of the Rock, and just rebuild their temple in a very short time.
0: Well, that, now that's a very important statement because the Jews, you know, people talk about where the temple is going to be rebuilt, and in my statement is, it doesn't matter what Gentiles think, the only thing that matters is what the Jews think, because they're going to be the ones that rebuild it, and they believe that the Dome of the Rock is sitting on the location of the original temple. Is that right?
1: That's exactly right. Right right there where Abraham uh, sacrificed uh, Isaac, right there where where Solomon's temple was built, where the second temple was built, Herod's temple. They believe that piece of real estate. And it's very interesting, you know, Satan is very territorial. Uh, we know that in Scripture. We know that from from book of Daniel. And uh, his, real estate is important to Satan because of what it, what it represents. There's no more important belly button, if you will, of the world uh, right. of real estate than the Temple Mount, specifically where the Temple's being built. And so Satan's going to hold on to that as long as he can. Uh, but God's going to break through. Uh, through the, I think the Temple Institute is going to have a huge role in that as well and uh, be able to get that Temple built, sacrifices reinstituted again during the tribulation period.
0: So the, the temple does not have to be rebuilt before the rapture, is that correct?
1: That is correct, yeah, it doesn't have to be, no.
0: Just before the midpoint of the tribulation?
1: Yeah, because it says that at the midpoint is when, when the Antichrist will break the covenant Uh, with the Jewish people and invade the temple. So obviously the temple has to be built sometime in that first three and a half year period, presumably right after the peace treaty is signed. And so there could be construction, ongoing construction in that three and a half year period, but certainly enough of an infrastructure to be laid where they could start sacrificing right. again and worshiping again according to the Old Testament.
0: Well, you, you've said s- several things that are so important related to that. And one of the things you said is the, the Gog and Magog War, let's just say assuming at some time around the rapture, uh, around the peace treaty with Israel, it takes out uh, you know, Islamic jihad. It takes out the the radical Islamic element. And so Israel could, you know, uh, tear down the Dome of the Rock and build whatever they wanted to build. Of course, they also have the two witnesses there to protect them, you know, because yeah. they're, they're going to be untouchable right. there. So the the tribulation, there's the the abomination of desolation in the middle there. And we were in the Temple Institute last December, Jeff, and I know you've been there. They have everything ready. They're, they're ready oh, to yeah. go. The are ready. Everything's ready. Well, and when we walked in the door, we went on the tour there, and they said, these are not replicas. These are yeah. kosher. And these are the actual garments the priest will wear in the rebuilt temple. These are the actual musical instruments. These are the actual sacrificial uh, uh, you know, uh, pans and shovels and everything. It really, and, and, and the other thing that was kind of interesting, Jeff, is when we left the final uh, room that we went in, they had a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. And they mm-hmm. said, this is a replica of the Ark. We know where the Ark is, and when the time comes, we'll go get it. So you know, a lot of people ask about the ark. According to the Temple Institute, they know where it is and they're gonna go get it when the time comes. So it's already and they also have the, the red heifers over there right now, hopefully to get a, one of those that's kosher. So at the end of the tribulation, there is the, the uh, millennium and Revelation talks about that, your book talks about that.
1: So this is a, is this a
0: literal 1,000 year period of time?
1: I believe it is. I mean, people will read Revelation and try to see everything as symbolic or allegory. But, you know, if God says something one time, we should listen to him. But if he says it six times in a row in seven verses, which he does in Revelation chapter 20, he says a thousand years six different times. Uh, That ought to be a huge flashing neon sign uh, that God means exactly what he says. And, you know, in the Old Testament, we knew there was going to be a kingdom, but we didn't know the length of it. But in Revelation 20, Uh, Verses one through uh, seven, we know that exactly it's going to be a thousand years. I believe it's a literal kingdom.
0: Much of the church is amillennial, um, Mm -hmm. and probably the majority. And they do not believe that prophecy is literal. And so even though it says six times a thousand years, they don't believe that
1: there's literal. Mm -hmm. You and I believe in a literal interpretation of Scripture, right? If you think about it, even those people who are amillennial about... The eschatology in the end times, you look at the first coming of Christ, they believe specifically and literally all of those prophecies about his first coming. So it doesn't make sense that God would then change his modus operandi and say, well, no, everything in the future is going to be symbolic. Everything in the past was literal. Why wouldn't the future also? Uh, be literal as well. So we just want to keep God's word consistent and just mm-hmm. let the plain sense of Scripture speak. And if you do that, you're going to come to a literal conclusion.
0: That's right. And when you look at what's happening in the world right now, this was mm-hmm. literally prophesied that Israel would come back, Absolutely. that they would get Jerusalem back, that the, these mm-hmm. uh, that they would be hated by the world, anti-Semitism would rise in the last days. Mm-hmm. So explain general revelation, special revelation, and progressive revelation.
1: Yeah, so general revelation is something that everybody gets, every human being on the planet gets it. Uh, we see that in Romans chapter 7, Psalm chapter 19. It says that the heavens declare the handiwork of God, that we understand certain basic things about the Creator from what He has made. We understand He's divine, He's sovereign, He's, He's creative, uh, He's uh, someone who's bigger than us, and He exists. Uh, and then, Revel, uh, excuse me, Romans uh, 2, verses 14 and following says that there's an inner sense of conscience within us, an inner sense of morality. So that's general revelation. Everybody gets that. Uh, but then special revelation is God writing his word for us. It's God doing specific acts throughout the biblical history. And of course, the, the, really the capstone of that revelation is the person of Jesus Christ, whom the Bible says is the exact yeah. representation of God. If you want to know exactly who God is, look at Jesus Christ. Progressive revelation is the idea from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, God could never have given us all the truth about Him in, in one, uh, in one revelation. It would have overwhelmed us. So He, He kind of progressively gave it over time through 40 different authors and over 1500 years, three different languages, three continents. And it's kind of, I always say, Jimmy, it's kind of like, you know, you're in a dark room and, and someone just gradually dims up the lights, you know, so that your eyes adjust to it. Well, now we have the completed revelation of God through Christ, through the Bible, all the lights are on. And that's why Romans 1 says, therefore, there is no excuse because the information right. is available. And God does expect people to respond to general revelation so that he, he can then give them that special revelation about Christ and, of course, salvation.
0: Yeah, and Romans 1 says no, uh, no one has an excuse because even uh, creation itself, you know, gives you a general revelation of who God is. Yeah. So let's go back, talk about the Antichrist just a minute. The mark of the beast, everybody wants to know what the mark of the beast is. And of course, your book talks about it and Revelation talks about it. What do you believe it is?
1: Well, the word that John uses there is a Greek word, karagma, which in the first century meant uh, an etching on a person or it was like a tattoo, we would say today, uh, sometimes uh, like a Roman soldier would do the the insignia of his commanding officer or even his name uh, tattooed on his arm as a way to pay homage to him. So John calls on this uh, to to basically say this is what the mark's going to be. It's going to be something that's going to be on you. Now, he also, Jimmy, does this. He, he uses a, a Greek preposition there. Uh, that in, indicates that the mark is going to be on top of the skin, not underneath the skin. You know, some people say, well, maybe it's going to be these RFID chips or some cor- sort of tracking device or whatever. But the insignia itself is going to be a visible marking and it's going to be on the right hand or on the forehead. I think the reason for that, for that visibility. Is that Satan and Antichrist want the world to know who's worshiping him? That's right. Uh, It is, I mean, it's a mark. It's like, you know, the Star of David uh, during World War II. It it marked you as a Jew. Well, he's going to mark and put his seal on people. So I think it's going to be on the skin, some sort of of tattoo like device, some sort of, uh, and it could be some some, uh, sort of, um, you know, device that is able to be read uh, by a scanner. But here's the idea. The idea is that that mark uh, enables you to participate in the digital economy uh, that is essentially being set up right now uh, of the world. And so everybody has to opt into it in order to participate. And so you can't have a job. You can't get paid. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't buy a stick of gum or pay your mortgage without that mark. And so that's the really the, the economic aspect of the mark. And the other aspect is that it officially declares you as a, not a follower, but a worshiper right. of the beast. Yeah. So here's this man come back from the dead, accompanied by signs and miracles. He's overcome all the great uh, world religions and armies. And so he is essentially God to the world. And the Bible says in Second Thess 2 that God will, dis- will send a deluding influence upon the world. And they'll believe it. They're going to accept Antichrist as this God. And just one final thing on that, Jimmy, is that in Revelation 14 uh, is a very sobering, chilling passage beginning in verse 9 or beginning verse 7, I think it is, where it says that every person who takes that mark. Will seal their eternal destiny. In other words, no person will take the mark, suddenly regret it, repent of their sins, and become a believer. No, they've already decided they're going to follow him. So they dive in headfirst to the mark of the beast. And by the same token, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 tells us that no believer in the tribulation will take. That mark. That's right. And so the believers, by the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb, will overcome Satan and Antichrist. But the rest of humanity, uh, those who dwell on the earth, uh, Revelation says, will take the mark. They will end up, it says, in the lake of fire eventually.
0: You know, some people may think that it's really hard right now living for Jesus with all the persecution and with all the woke stuff and things like that. In the tribulation, they get their heads cut off. Uh, You know, Revelation 20 says they were beheaded because they wouldn't take the mark, they wouldn't worship the beast, they wouldn't renounce Christ. And so those people are dedicated believers in the tribulation and it, and you, it comes down to, am I gonna sell my soul and burn in hell for eternity or get my head cut off? That's it, a big deal. Yes, and
1: here's an interesting perspective on that. Uh, these believers come to Christ, m- most of them I believe, at the very beginning of the tribulation right. period. I mean, Revelation chapter six, you've mm-hmm. already got martyrs. Yeah, And think of it this way. In our day and time, especially in America, to say you want to be a Christian, depending on where you live in the country, what does it really cost you right now? Uh, You make that decision. You're not really thinking, but if I do this, uh uh-oh, this is going to come my way. Those tribulation saints, these guys are baby believers. All they've done is trust in Christ, and yet they have the, the stamina, the strength, the perseverance to stand up all the way to death, to having them their heads uh, be, be chopped off, uh, to stand against Antichrist eventually and his forces. I mean, these are strong believers. And I think part of it, Jimmy, is the fact that they counted the cost. They understand what it's going to take. Yeah. We need more of that kind of resolve in believers today.
0: Absolutely. So, Jeff, I love your book, God's Grand Finale, Wrath, Grace, and Glory, the Last Days. And, and again, what I love about this book is, This will help you to understand God, not just the book of Revelation because the Revelation is about God. But uh, what do you want to say about your book here? Anything else that you want to promote or anything?
1: I would just say this is that in the times which we're living right now, for every single Christian uh, hearing my voice right now, you need to know two things. Number one, you need to know your God better than you've ever known Him before and to cling to Him. And then secondly, you need to understand the times in which you're living. And this book, God's Grand Finale, uh, endeavors to do both those things for you. You
0: can get it at Amazon.com. Absolutely. And Jeff, where, what is your website where people can find out more about your ministry?
1: Yeah, just go to JeffKinley.com is all my information there.
0: Jeff, Jeff thank you so much for being with us today. And I do want to encourage people, go on Amazon, buy, Amazon, buy this book. I know a lot of people just, they need... They want to understand the book of Revelation, but it's confusing to them. You've done a great job here of, of talking about what it really means and kind of taking it apart and making it understandable for the average person. God bless you, Jeff. Thanks for being with me today.
1: Thank you, brother. Appreciate you.
0: You bet. Thanks for joining me here today on The Tipping Point Show. God bless you. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.